So yes, listeners, the ASI podcast is kind of out of gas, but good news, this episode is so good that it could die right here, and that would be totally cool and okay, and I'd be content with that. I'm kind of sad to be at this place, but in a sort of happy way. Hello, listeners, it's me, Russ, uh, with a quick note before turning the key and firing up this here episode. So with a little grease under my fingernails from working on the engine here, I'd like to say thank you for spending this time with me. However long you've been spending time with me listening to these crazy podcasts, um, again, I'm humbled and honored that you would even listen to what I have to say, right? Another person along your journey that you may have come in contact with. Um, If you had to give me a label, I think my favorite would be, my favorite title is Professional Unprofessional. But listen, my heart for this thing, as I've been where some of you are at with the addictive, compulsive feeling like this thing owns you, man, I know what that feels like, and that's why I do this thing, and I've been doing this thing as long as I have. And I realize that some of you are probably tired of me a little bit talking about the economy of producers to the podcast. ASI is a listener-supported ministry. I've said that before, but dealing with the kind of material I talk about here, it is different, right? In the world of marketing, in the world of getting the word out, that kind of thing. Um, I've been doing this show for 12 years That's right. This same podcast has been going on and off for about 12 years. Here in season five of the podcast, it's had, this will be 429 episodes. In the last 10 years, the show has generated around 444,000 downloads, according to Google Analytics, give or take. This episode you're about to hear today it's one of those episodes I'm really I really like the way it turned out, even though I recorded it in my car and the audio quality is subpar as I'm sitting in traffic just chatting with you as if you were a passenger. And as far as passengers are concerned, there's a lot of passengers on this bus and this thing is about out of gas money. Right? But if you look at the ASI podcast as a body of work as a vehicle, so to speak, uh, this vehicle could, I could pull it to the side of the road right here and say, all right, get out where we've arrived. (laughs) Not that I think that we all arrive at some place, but for this thing as a body of work. And while, yeah, I do feel like I got more ASI podcasts in me, this episode, man, uh, this whole thing could die on this episode and I'd be totally content because it's that good, and I've said a lot of wisdom that has come to me through years of dealing with not just this thing, right, but all of the different layers in my story that had to keep me in the quicksand, so to speak, right? ASI has always been a listener, kind of driven, interactive type of podcast, When there's another one after this, I'm not sure. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, 
I have the other project, uh, Punk Theology, which I really like. I'm not the uh, the boss, right? I'm not sitting behind the wheel as the skipper, okay? This is just six guys, six relationships where we have a common interest in seeing the difference divide crossed and seeing relationships grow and flourish, that kind of thing. So punk theology again if you subscribe to that uh, podcast you may have to subscribe again because we had some issues with the code with soundcloud so there's a new feed on itunes for the itunes listeners uh and tune in as well you may have to re search for it in the itunes store for example and again it's not for the faint of heart but if you'd like to subscribe to that so just letting you know about that project as well and again this is i i thought about changing for this episode i actually think i'm going to change the title of this episode to feel something turning from the sin of purity that's a pretty controversial title russ i know it is but it's also part of the air we breathe right now we're like fish. The older fish looks at the younger fish and says, Hey, it's great day. The water's really great today, right? The two young fish at the beginning of their journey look at each other after this interaction. They shrug. They swim home. And they curiously go to their elders and ask, What's water? And I love that story because there's so much in culture, in religious culture especially, that we just grow up in and we don't know what the water is. And in some really toxic environments, whether they be religious or secular, we're not even allowed to ask that question. In this episode, I'm explaining some of that, and that's why I'm proud of it. In this podcast, I'm doing that. And again, I'm not an expert. This is not digital therapy or counseling, right? This is hours and hours of research on my part. And not just that, but healing and therapy and counselors, religious and secular, both, right? Truth-seeking on a whole different level than that which comes out of academia or from a book. You may be thinking, are his motives pure? Can we trust this guy? I'm okay with whatever you think. And I'm glad you're listening again. I don't take it for granted. And at this point in my life, at least, I have nothing to sell you. No books, no seminars, no thing, right? Have I gone off the deep end? Have I become too controversial? Maybe, right? But I'm in a really good place with my relationship with God and my relationship with others and the way my marriage is turning out, the way my life is in the direction it's going. Are there a few more shows in me? Yes, but it's going to take some gas money from listeners to help produce that material. Yes, I have a book in the works, and hopefully as that comes out, I need less, right? producer money from listeners but as it is now i could really use your help asi247.org click on the give button or the become a co-producer button but i'm excited to fire up this episode even if it is the last one here you go asi 
247.org. ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. I don't care if it hurts. I'll pay my weight in blood to feel my nerves wake up. This is season five, episode 36. You are listening to James Young. Touch me, someone. I'm too young to feel so numb, 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 numb. You could be the one to Young to feel so numb. What is the numbness? Gonna get into that a little bit today. Gonna talk about where to start. Once again, it's the constant reminder. I was always very um, awakened, to use that word, by reminders. Like reminding me of something that gets me started. All right? Because this thing. I think one of the things about sexual compulsive behavior is why we're starting or when we're starting or a a relapse occurs when we forget why or what, right? What is the goal? What is the long game when it comes to this thing? Uh, Last episode, uh, fairly controversial, I did get into some of the... um, and some of you may have had relapses over listening to that last episode. And, and I'm glad you're listening still because this is getting into this body work that Seth Taylor talks about, that I've been talking about, uh, and it's really important. So today on the show, feel something and start. Like These are two big themes of what I wanted to talk about and challenge you with in this summer of CC. What does that mean? Create compulsion into creativity. Uh, What does that look like? To remove this kind of numb energy, and I think that's what it is. And and, and I'm gonna challenge that word numb or medicating or, uh, you know, just trying to numb out. You know, you, you hear those words. like, And I, I struggle with that a little bit because I know that the, the numb word does sound appropriate because we are trying to escape this world. You know, maybe. Is that what it is? We're trying to escape the reality of where we're at. And numbing is a good way to uh, describe that, I suppose. But I want to say this. As a guy who is an ex-drug addict, uh, alcoholic, crazy person, I had my chemical romances I've had to break up with. Um, I haven't seen Mary Jane 
in over 20 years. That's just my, that's just my personal uh, decision. But I had to break up with Mary Jane. We're not even friends anymore. All right, and that's just me. All right, I'm not judging anyone. I'm not going to say, hey, you need to quit smoking weed. That's just my the way my body works, my brain works, my motivations work. I had to break up with Mary Jane. All right, so that's one example of how I numbed out to use that word. And, and marijuana for me was very powerful in just hitting the pause button on my life and, and not wanting to feel the reality of what could be, to use those words. I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Uh, throw another, another bumper from that tune at you. Here you go. I never thought I'd miss the bittersweet I gave those years away and lost my sense of taste. Cause all of your lovers eventually fade and leave you alone in the bed you made. And all of the colors that bleed to gray will mean nothing. Touch me, someone. I'm too young to feel so numb, 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 numb So give me just enough to Show me that you're human ASI247.org is the website And it is a wondrous place <laughs> There's a lot going on over there at the ASI website There's a link uh, now to the Spotify playlist. I have a Spotify playlist of the bumper music that I play on the show. Uh, if you follow that and you like some of the music, you know, it's it's another way that... So I do talk radio bumpers, it's called in the talk radio business, right? So I play promo bumpers. That's what that's called. Uh, and, and those bumpers are on Spotify. If it's not on Spotify, I just don't do it anymore. That's kind of where I'm at with that. If you're not on Spotify, you're dead to me. That's that's a horrible thing to say. Uh, no, if you're if you're an up and coming artist, man, I'll play a bumper from your tune if you want me to. Uh, Russ at asi247.org. Uh, I'd love to do that if it's you know it matches what I'm talking about. It has some kind of emotional wherewithal to it, much like that song by uh, James Young there. What I mean by that is some of the bands that aren't on Spotify or the record companies or whatever have a little more of a control freaky essence to them that I'd rather not get close to as a guy who plays promo bumpers on my podcast. Uh, but Spotify, again, is an information company. And I used to do a page where I would... Uh, Categorize the music in it in every episode. Uh, I had I have they're still up there on the website for past shows. I don't do that anymore because Spotify kind of takes care of that for me, right? Like you can go to the Spotify page for a band, you can see all their albums, you can follow the band, and what's cool about Spotify too is they'll send you an email or a message notification when that band is coming to your town. So you get to see when they're on tour, which is really great as well. So that's uh, the Spotify ASI uh, playlist, which for now I'm thinking about changing it to 
because I might, it's hard to search for. But it, there's a link to it on the ASI page. So ASI247.org, I will have a link to the Spotify playlist from there if you're a Spotify user. And if you're not, what's up, man? Seriously, get with the times. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Uh, what else is on the docket for the ASI podcast? I am rolling through traffic, by the way, right now. I've never been so delighted to roll through traffic. I'm sitting here in bumper-to-bumper Seattle traffic, a ride that if I would have got up like an hour and a half ago, would have took me a half hour, is taking me probably an hour and a half. So that's where I'm at. I'm driving from Everett to the, the, the city of Seattle. Again, about a 25-minute drive where there's no traffic, but right now I'm just staring at taillights. I'm doing zero miles an hour as I'm recording this. And it's funny because the, my state just passed this law, distracted driving law. Like, you're not allowed to touch your phone or put on makeup or eat a sandwich or anything like that. Like, it's a $235 fine. Uh, and I think the police use discretion in some of that. But then again, some of, I believe, some of, uh, a large chunk of what the state patrol does is tax collection, right? So they're out on patrol trying to look for people putting on their makeup or eating sandwiches or recording podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm, I'll get my head on a swivel. But again, it's like you're doing, I'm seriously, I'm doing, right now I just got up to nine miles an hour as I'm rolling through traffic here. I don't see how you could do a whole lot of damage at nine miles an hour. I do think the law is a good thing because I see on a daily basis where someone is staring at their cell phone and they run into the back of someone else. I see that almost every day around here. It's it's insane. So I, I understand why the law is there, but again, that's the funny thing about laws is it's really hard to have discretion in the relational understanding of the law, right? Like if you're doing five miles an hour or zero miles an hour or two miles an hour, it's it's understandable that you might, you know, reach for your phone or eat a sandwich, right? Or ladies who are on makeup. I see that a lot. And, and, and I don't have a problem with it if you're sitting in traffic like I am here recording a podcast. Ooh, I got up to 30. I'm up to 30 miles an hour right now. So, hey, I'm glad to have you guys with me as I'm rolling through the uh, I-5 corridor here in beautiful, it's a sunny, beautiful day. And the summers here are usually really good, so I'm excited about that. I'm grateful for, for these things in my life. Even sitting in traffic can be a good thing if you change the way you think about it, I suppose, right? And rolling back down to 12 miles an hour, uh, there are surveys on the ASI website, I got a, a survey from a listener who calls himself. This is under the, uh, again, if you go to ASI247.org, click on surveys. I'd love to hear from you. How is this stuff hitting you? What does the uh, struggle look like? And that's the title of this survey that uh, we're talking about here. Um, Sex Struggles and Secrets Survey. Uh, Number 13 respondent of this survey uh, refers to himself as five things I've done right. Uh, I ask for you to come up with a kind of a handle or nickname for yourself, username 
for the survey, and, and that's his username. Five things I've done right. Um, number two, blank is my secret, and it feels like he said porn, and I am a slave, but nobody knows, and they think I live the perfect life. Man, I feel you, brother. When it comes to my unwanted behavior, I don't love this anymore because it causes me depression and I withdraw from my wife and my kids. I use being tired or having a headache to mask why I'm not acting, why I'm acting irritable and withdrawn. I use being tired or having a headache to mask why I'm acting irritable and withdrawn. This is my struggle and I feel the weight of number four, my sin. Ah, that word, man. There's so much to that word. Thank you for, for filling this out, by the way. Um, what do the feelings of giving porn and eviction notice stir up? Freedom. Absolute and complete freedom. Um, do you have like a recurring dream, recurring sexual fantasy? Can you describe what that feels like? I don't think so. Uh, what would a light at the end of the tunnel look like for you? It would feel like hope. It would bring me hope that after all these years of success and failure that I would finally have hope that I can have freedom from my slavery I am constantly living in. And again, thank you to uh, Five Things I've Done Right for filling that out. If you'd like to fill out a survey, ASI247.org. Again, click on the survey page. There's a number of surveys there. Um, another respondent who refers to himself as Struggle Muffin. Uh, number two, I ask him again, do you have a recurring dream or sexual fantasy? Not anymore. It used to be with a girl in a white shirt. Now I feel null and void. I fear I have no feelings now. Which is exactly what we're going after in this this year podcast a little bit. What would a light at the end of the tunnel look like and feel like for you? Uh, if someone I thought could reverse the feelings I have of no feeling. This is a theme of his survey here. What do the feelings of giving porn and eviction notice stir up? I feel I'm losing something I will never get back. Something I enjoy. That is so honest. Love that. Thank you for that. Again, this is why I chose the bumper music for the show today. I was listening to uh, Father Father Richard Rohr, who is a uh, Franciscan priest, uh, uh, would call himself a Christian mystic. Um, and that word mysticism, or the, the mystic word in there, he would say is simply experienced faith. It's it's faith that you experience. It's faith that you feel. It's it's yeah, you see it. 
Is it seeing it to believe it, Russ? Is that what he's talking about? Yeah, kind of, isn't it? All right? Anyone who's overcome an addiction or has tapped into that higher power consciousness, that's an experienced kind of faith. And, and I guess that's where I would fall under the, the, the title. If you wanted to label me as Christian mystic, I would be totally okay with that. Um, he talks about there's four or five splits from reality, and I'm going to mention a couple here. Uh, this addiction, this sexually compulsive behavior, it's sort of a split from reality, isn't it? It's having relationships, sexual relationship with a screen or with people that you don't really know. Um, something my wife said once that stuck with me, it's she said, I want to have sexual experiences with you that aren't just you putting your dick in me, but that you are being present in that, right? Like, I would be present in the sexual experience. And there's a lot of us guys, you know, you call us sex addicts or sexually compulsive, whatever it is. A lot of us with intimacy disorders, whether that was stirred up from some sexual abuse in the past or, or whatever it was, there's a very, like that makes sense, doesn't it? Having sex, a sexual experience, and, and not having your soul present in that experience made a lot of sense to me. Oh, man.
So on the last podcast, I mentioned a very serious but hard to explain way of approaching never quit, right? Having this attitude that you're going to get back up and you're not going to quit. You're not going to stay down. You're not going to stay stuck. That you're going to keep moving forward. Now, what this means is not just getting through another 24 hours without jerking off, all right? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, that's not necessarily a win. Uh, that may be what you're after, but again, from compulsion to creativity, what is the energy in your body that's being wanting to act out or work itself out through a, a, a masturbatory, I don't know, PMO session? Uh, why? What does that look like? So th- this is a this is a question that may come out of what happens during a relapse. So you know you can learn a lot from a, a relapse. To use that word, you know, it's just a word that people understand. It's not. I'm not a huge fan uh, when it comes to just masturbation and and pornography, all right, if that's the main reason you're listening to me now. Like, this thing got really bad for me. And yeah, I did start out with pornography, but that that wasn't the reason, you know? And I had some confusion over that in the early days. Like, it's porn's fault. No, no, it's not. It's not porn's fault. Um, we use porn because, you know, no one put a gun to our head. There, there's something in our body working itself out in these images that come through on your phone, your tablet, whatever it is. So, what does it mean to move forward? Going back to this word numb, I'm going to come back and circle around and visit the bumper music in and, and the title of this episode, which is Feel Something. I don't necessarily like the word numbing because, yes, it may be an escape, and to to explain escape, the word numb or medicating can, can make a lot of sense. But you feel something, all right? When you're numbing out, to use those words, you're going after a substance or in the case of sexual compulsive behavior, you're going after a orgasm to feel something. And it's very powerful and it's in your body and it makes you feel something. Is it because you're numb? No, not necessarily, man. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say that, that may be controversial, but the fact that you're doing that is proof that you want to feel something. That your body and your mind and your heart are craving a feeling, alright? It's the craving after a connected feeling from your your spirit, your mind, and your body all coming together in that act. So in that sense, it's it's almost the opposite of numbing, isn't it? I'm just throwing that out there. Um, what if it's not numbing? What if you really are the fact that you are a porn addict or a sex addict or whatever? There's something in you craving connection and craving a feeling because even getting high, right? 
getting high for me was was a feeling, it, it, and I felt it, and I craved it because I just wanted to feel something. So, what does it look like to feel something without the orgasm, without the chemicals? And that's this that's this idea of creativity, right? Being birthed out of compulsion, because this is proof that in your body and in your spirit and in your heart, there is not someone who just sits on their ass and does nothing like a vegetable numbing out. That's not what you're doing. You are actually reaching for your genitals in this case um, to be alive, to feel alive. And again, like the person in the survey said, what would it be like to give pornography an eviction notice? Man, I might miss something I really like. There's something to that. That's a very honest answer. And the question is why, right? We know it's destroying our lives, so why do we, why do we do it? And there's my first ride for the day. So uh, getting back to this later. He said, if you want to know the truth about it, here's the way it is. All I do is drive, 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 try to stay alive and keep my mind on my load, keep my eye upon the road. I got nothing in common with any man who's home every day at five. All I do is drive, 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 drive. And this is why, also, I get triggered around this word. I get, I get angry, right? I get annoyed. Like, I feel these feelings come up around this word, sexual purity, and how that's translated by most modern Christians today. Um, Braveheart.org uh, online has this. It says... It is an activity of choice that we make every day. Sexual purity applies to both our actions and our attitudes. It is an active choice to refrain from sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage. It is the decision to guard your heart and mind by not allowing impure thoughts or attitudes to take over. All right. Again, this is from Braveheart.org. Okay, how are we doing at that? Like, that's not freaking working. You know why? Because it's bringing that shadow life. And even in that statement that I read from those guys, right, on, on, on their definition of purity or sexual purity, it stirs up a judgment. And there's, it's not explained real well either. Like, when I can judge other people for their not being pure or for that woman wearing that, you know, not being modest or whatever, right? We, we can start to build walls between us and other people. Again, this is why I'm starting to lean more towards, yeah, let's get rid of the word sex addiction and start treating it as an intimacy disorder. You know why? Because in religious circles, even with that word purity, we love to create an other and that is part of the problem. It is, it is a huge motivator towards building walls and encouraging a continued intimacy disorder in our culture with other people, especially the opposite sex. Because when she's dirty, man, there's something about her being dirty that peaks and tweaks that thing in us. Um, anesthetic, medication, maybe a better word, maybe escape, right? 
what am I trying to escape? And I think as addicts, looking at my own life, I was escaping somewhere down into myself. And that's what caused the comfortably numb. It's uh, that song by Pink Floyd, right? Uh, I've become comfortably numb as I got down into escaping into myself. So being mindful of the word escape instead of am I numb? Because listen, as far as your senses are concerned, when we attribute numbness to our addictions, for example, are we diminishing the reality that the reason that we keep returning to them is because they have us feel something and feel something very powerful? I mean, that's why they're serving us. That's why we're returning back to them even beyond our own willpower to stop doing so. You see, in that time, Jesus was saying some radical things to the religious elite. Like, as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. He talks about people in jail, people who are naked, right? People who are hungry. These are not the clean, pure people. And there's something that we overlook in this idea and, you know, digesting the, the idea of purity, which really sounds really good on the surface, but you know what purity does? It kills stuff, right? You think of a sterile environment. I heard these stories of people who worked in these factories where they build microprocessors, right, or microchips, and these people wear um, these full suits when they go into these places because even a teeny tiny speck of dust can ruin product. So they live in these super sterile environments and then they go out into the world, out among the least of these, right? And they get sick real easy because their immune system has been so diminished by being around this sterile pure environment. And it had me thinking about the social consciousness of a, a lot of religious folks who really uh, latch on to or glob onto this idea of purity. It seems we love to throw the purity word around, but we don't think about the filters that have to be installed in order to kill what's organic, right? And that's a problem. If we don't solve that dissonance, the Bible talks about love, right? The Holy Spirit, the the wild goose. Wild geese aren't, aren't, you can't put a filter on them, right? They're very hard to control. Love, the more you try and control it, ain't love anymore. And we need to be mindful of that when we think of this word purity and what kind of filters we have. See, this is all about intimacy disorder, if you think about it. Our intimacy, intimacy, that word, again, just the stuff, the thoughts, the things going on inside you, there's some wild goose stuff going on in there, right? How you define love, which is another reason why I talk about theology a lot. And purity is much like, if you think about it, anesthetic, right? It's a way to escape the world. 
think about that. There's a challenge for you. Think about escape over this word sterilization, purity. See, because in that definition of purity, it does nothing to explain the weight of cognitive dissonance around the other in the world, right? How do you keep yourself pure? Sterilization? Question mark, right? Like that's an extreme example, but that word, as we, you know, mine into our language that we use, is important, isn't it? Jesus refers to this in Matthew 7 as playing plank spec, right? In Matthew 6, he talks about purity a little. If you want to read those two chapters, it's some interesting stuff. And the reason I bring up this theology is because it's, it's really important. I mean, the way that we digest religion, just based on the last election here in the United States with Trump and Hillary, is just a, 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 just a lot of judgment escaping into one's tribe or into the comfortable people. We're not very good at understanding or loving the other, as Jesus said we're supposed to do, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing at that? So I, I also Googled uh, Bible verses on sexual purity, and a lot of these verses are much like it's sort of so when you pick and choose verses out of the Bible, and, and I do some of that, right? Like, but I, I encourage you if you're a Bible reader to read it in context because saying things like, well, the Bible's about purity or sexual purity is kind of like saying that Star Wars is a father son story. All right, is there some truth to that? Yes. Can you take a little clip out of Star Wars and and you know show that and go, oh, see. Um, <laughs> you Again, things can be taken out of context. One of the verses that they referred to on sexual purity was one from Habakkuk. And uh, I, I believe it's the verse where it says, hey, there's, you're, you're God. There's no, you're, all, you're pure. You're pure light. There's no darkness within you. Uh, but the book of Habakkuk is a guy who is working out his faith by, again, this attitude of self-righteousness in his own spirit that God is he's, he's seeking God in that um, and I believe that that's important as well to understand that whole book is much like the podcast I'm doing punk theology right like we're doing this podcast and there's a lot of these podcasts that are out there like losing our religion is a podcast by an ex-pastor guy there's the drunk ex-pastors there's all these different podcasts that are people talking about what you can't talk about in church and the reason we can't talk about it in church is because of stuff like Habakkuk right like we want one verse answers to really tough questions and that's just not how it works but Habakkuk is that guy, right? Like Habakkuk is one of those guys asking really hard questions. That's what I love about that book. You see where I'm going with this? It's not just that the Bible says this one little thing and that is like amplified to be the big thing. No, it's saying a whole lot more. And this is just a piece of the story. Taking it out of context, I think, is to, to steal some of the emotional, spiritual amplification of what the book is really saying when it comes to something like purity. 
or the Psalms. The Psalms are another book, and this is music, mostly written by uh, King David, who is a lot of times very angry at God. Um, most of the Psalms are of lament or really hard question asking, like, where are you? Right? There, that is in the Psalms in the form of music. That's what I love about the Psalms. And uh, listen, there seems to be this thing, especially in American Christianity, where it's viewing God as a king. Uh, some of that C.S. Lewis touched on in his writing of Aslan and the Chronicles of Narnia. And some of that's good, but our benevolent king isn't like, right, you better get down on your knee, buddy, and bow before me. Like, it's not an ego-y kind of thing like that. It's... It's relationship with a loving father. And this is the language of the Bible. You don't... If your father is, like, forcing you to have some kind of weird respect for authority outside of your own desires and fears and question asking and um, disappointments in life or, or, or how your life worked out, right? Like, if you can't bring that to your father because of some weird religious rule that you grew up with. Again, this is some of that harboring of intimacy disorder. Again, defining intimacy is this. Those questions, those feelings, those things going on in your your heart, in your head, and sharing that with other people. And yes, even the creator of the universe when you're angry even. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in a movie is Captain Dan in Forrest Gump just out there in the midst of the storm freaking out, yelling at God and making peace, I believe. <laughs> that was the line from Tom Hanks' as Forrest Gump. I believe Captain Dan made his peace with God. or something to that, right? And I love that scene because it's that making peace with God. It's getting to the peace that surpasses understanding, right? When someone says that they've made their peace with God, do you ask, is it like a Rubik's Cube? Kind of a, a, a riddle that you solved? No. This was, you know, again, the, the Captain Tan analogy was a very relational outcome to that. And in the Bible... There's three places where it says uh, every knee shall bend, right? Every tongue confess in some translations in different places. Um, Romans, it says it. Philippians. Uh, Revelations, of course. Um, but in the book of Philippians, I believe it's uh, Philippians 2.10 or 9. And again, I'm, I'm reading you... Bible study time with Rush Shah, right? Um, my point is, in bringing this up, that it's showing some of this example, a great example of relationship and connection, rather than looking at purity as a behavioral thing. Like, I used to be dirty, and now I'm clean. It's way more complicated than that, all right? But it's complicated on a beautiful relational level. And that's what brings me to uh, Philippians 9, 10, 
talking about. And, and listen, a lot of times when I heard this in church where they would say, oh, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, like it had that kind of energy to it, right? Like you picture Jesus up there with a furrowed brow pointing a finger or, you know, a sword rattling or something like that. No, that's not the language, especially in, in Philippians here. It's, it's you know, it, that's good news, right? The language in Philippians is it's very good news, that we would be light bearers. Um, it's God that works out the will due to his good pleasure. I love that. You know, it's it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance or life change, as that, that word signifies. It's That word means to change direction, really. Then it's, oh, you repent, you sinner. We have a, I had a lot of hang-ups over that <laughs> repent word, too, just from my, my religious upbringing. But that's really the definition of it, is to change direction. If your life is going in a direction you don't want it to go, change direction. That's that's the word repentance. And that repentance is stirred by kindness, right? By peace. By making peace. By getting to that place. So those are my challenges to you, the listener, um, if you choose to accept them. Again, this is not digital therapy or counseling or anything like that. Uh, simply a challenge from a friend to a friend. From compulsion to creativity. That compulsive energy is in you. To harness it isn't simply behavior replacement therapy. It's not, it's not like that. It's waking up. You want to feel something? Get your head up. Put your shoulders back. Walk around like you're awake and alert. Sometimes just putting your gym shorts on is enough to start yourself in an exercise. I've heard, I've heard trainers say, right? Simply lacing up your shoes and putting your gym shorts on and standing there on the elliptical, right? Or the treadmill or whatever it is, is enough to get you started. So this would be my challenge is to just wake wake up, right? It's it's not just that. That's easy to say. Um, Head back, shoulders up, and be present. Practice being present this week. Practice being unusually interested in the other, as my friend Jim Anderson would say. Um, Being curious about your family and where they're at. Ask more questions. Look into the eyes. Jesus said the eyes are the windows to the soul. Um, Some other things that Rohr said, as a guy who's a priest who took a vow of celibacy and also admitted that that's not for everybody. (laughs) There's a Google talk he did. Like The guy is such a thought mover that Google, the company Google, yeah, you've heard of them, they bring in certain thought movers. He does speak to scientists as well, uh, Richard Rohr, and this talk he did was on um, the breaking of dualistic thinking. But he talks about in there, he talks about sex a little bit and intimacy, and, and he says that one of the things that he does is just looking in people's eyes, hearing their stories, um, but the eyes are a window into intimacy, into connection. Make more eye contact with your family. I work on that myself with my friends. 
even with doing this job with passengers, I try and look them in the eyes for, I'm driving most of the time, so I can't do that a lot. But, right, when you feel like someone's sharing something they're excited about or something like that, just looking in their eyes, there, there feels like a, a intimacy connection and some of those very real um, neurochemicals that are released in the body do intersect with that. They do intersect with just normal human day-to-day when you're awake, when you're alert, when your head's up and your shoulders are back, right? Not just like you're a soldier or some drone, but no, you're, you're interested, you're connected, you're connecting. And it takes practice because I didn't give a shit about people for a long time. Uh, so I don't challenge you with that because people are interesting. Um, if you ever watched animals, you know, in a zoo or something like that, or watch some of those Discovery Channel shows, or it's Shark Week now, right, in my country. Sharks are interesting, so we make uh, a week of documentary shows about them. Man, people are like that. People are interesting, too. But it takes maybe looking them in the eye and asking them what makes them tick a little bit. So that's my uh, challenge for you in the summer of CC. Again, I'm not a counselor. I'm not your therapist. This is not anything like that. I'm just a... Just another dude. Just your friend online. This isn't a real friendship, by the way. I'm just a dude who blabs into a microphone. But you get what I'm saying, all right? Uh, Russ at ASI247.org. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, How is this hitting you? Is this making any sense? Um, I'll do some more podcasts on that next time whenever I receive those emails. Or if you'd like to fill out a survey, you could do that at the uh, survey page. Love to hear from you there as well. Till next time, bye. Is it